All right, here we go on another Sunday morning in Las Vegas. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here live in the Fox Sports Luminate Home Loans studio every Sunday at 8 on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, Las Vegas flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio. The we also includes social media director Spencer The Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats the win. Nobody beats the win. And producer Chris Magnum Chapman, who aside from producing and being a part of a lot of shows here at Lotus Broadcasting, Mags also serves as the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights radio network. And um, that is right here on Fox Sports Radio, as we mentioned. And uh, the show, as mentioned, is live and local. And you can catch us right here every Sunday, as I mentioned, on Fox Sports Radio. You can also watch the show as we are streaming on the LV Sports Network, but we're live video-wise on Facebook Live and on Twitch. Uh, you can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter. That's at Adeline Fox LV. And once again, since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome to Fox Sports. Luminate Home Loans studio line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap brought to you by Illuminate Home Loans. Whether purchasing a home or looking to refinance the home you currently owe, contact Illuminate Home Loans for all your home financing needs. Call 702-964-5720. Once again, to get information on all of the home financing options currently available in the state of Nevada. On tap, uh, lot on tap. Almost too much to talk about today. Vegas Golden Knights uh, start their preseason today. I can't believe it. It seems like they just got off the ice and already getting back on it. They've been on it since Tuesday. Uh, some information on the goaltenders. We'll let you know about that. Also, UNLV football, 3-1. and one. How many people out there had them 3-1 and one after four games this season, not knowing Barry Odom? I actually had him at 2-2. Two and two. We'll talk about that. Also, in college football, only one real upset based on the rankings. But a couple other pe- people, or some people are upset about uh, some outcomes of games. And also Ohio State, uh, even though they won, they're crying and acting like they just upset Notre Dame when they were ranked ahead of them. We'll talk about that. Also, uh, we've got a really cool fact this uh, history made yesterday. So stick around. You'll hear about that as well. And, of course, the Las Vegas Aces getting ready to play in the WNBA semifinals against the Dallas Wings, one of the, one of the teams that handed them one of their six losses this season. Uh, that starts today at uh, Michelob Ultra Arena at the Mandalay Event Center. So we'll, we'll be talking about that. And, of course, uh, the Bone Spencer's got a lot to talk about the Raiders today as they play host to an AFC old-time nemesis and rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you won't believe how long it has been since the Pittsburgh Steelers have beaten the Raiders in, or I should say, on the road. It's been a while, and you might be surprised to hear about that. Spencer will also let you know what's going on. we got week two uh, results that we'll talk a little bit about. Uh, we've got our week three uh, uh, forecast. We'll talk about that as well, and of course the scooper will be joining in a little while to give his prognosticating pick, and right now three of us tied at the top, and you won't believe who hasn't won a game in the two weeks that we've been doing this so far. I'm actually surprised at that. I actually thought he might be the team leader, and today is also the last game of the season. If you want to get down to the last 
Las Vegas ballpark. The Aviators wrap up their season today, hosting uh, cross-state rival Reno, and um, that's the last chance this year. They didn't quite make the playoffs. As of right now, they're four games out of that last spot in the second half of the season, so they're not in as well in Major League Baseball. Man, it's winding down, and they're getting pretty damn close to the playoffs. If we've got time, we'll talk about that. If not, we'll be elaborating on that a whole lot more next week. That is What's on Tap. Once again, if you are looking to purchase a home or to refinance a home in the Las Vegas area, or for that matter, anywhere around the country, Luminate Home Loans has the answers. Call 702-964-5720 for home financing options available today. Uh, guys, we're going to get right into it. Before I ask you how you're doing or anything, man, I want to jump right into Nightcap because, I, like I said, I'm just kind of stunned that the season's already upon us. I should say the preseason, but only a couple of weeks away from the regular season, and it just seems like uh, they just got done. I think the last person just got done playing with the Stanley Cup like last week, and here we are back uh, to the season again. So go ahead, Spence, hit it. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. In a news conference on the first day of training camp this past Tuesday, Golden Knights general manager Kelly McCrimmon announced that goalie Robin Leonard is out indefinitely due to his hip surgery. Leonard will start the season on long-term injured reserve. McCrimmon also noted that uh, Daniel um, Miramov, Miramanov, I should say, um, he is also out long-term, and that's due to an injury he sustained last season. Uh, Mags, I mean, this isn't a surprise to any one of us. We knew that they were going to figure something out with Leonard. The fact that he is still unable to play makes it easy for the Golden Knights right now to make a decision that we all felt would be the decision. The two guys in net, at least to start the season, would be Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill. That is what is happening. Any surprises? And when, when and if Leonard is ever ready to play in the NHL again, will he be a Golden Knight? Well, I mean, look, the, the reality is this is a pretty serious surgery that Robin Leonard's coming off of. Two double hip surgery, yeah. both sides. So, um, look, for goalie, that's 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 tough, right? Because if you watch the game, you know how much they get down, how much they have to move around in the net. And look, think about it. I mean, you and I are both old men. Like, we wake up and sometimes our hip is sore for no reason. <laughs> so, hip. so... Um, at least we haven't forgotten who we are yet. We'll yes, yes. So, so yeah, we'll be there soon with the drool <laughs> cup and uh, sitting in front of the TV, it crying, all, crying it for all, Matlock. It all depends if you get what I mean. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> um, look, it's it's a pretty serious injury that Robin Leonard was dealing with. Um, I don't know. Look, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to play one on the radio because of the fact that I'm I'm very close with the team, but. I don't know if Robin Leonard ever plays, not only for the for the Golden Knights again, but if he ever plays in the NHL again. I mean... Well, Chris, you know, it's, it's documented, so I don't, I don't want to... I'm not trying to say anything against Leonard because it's not against him. This happens. But, you know, a couple of years ago, not even two full years ago yet, he declared bankruptcy. Yeah. And that was, you know, he was playing for the Golden Knights. That was after getting a $25 million contract. So I don't know if he can afford, if he could find a way to play. Well, it sounds like he might have to. I mean, the good news for him is he got paid for last season. He he's going to get paid as long as he's on LTIR. And he still has another year. $50 million in debt, I read. I, I Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, that, that's I, just, uh, it, it's heartbreaking. I'm not sitting it's, it's, bagging on him. Yeah. I feel really bad for the guy. I, I a lot know, of people in this country are going through similar things. Yeah, and the system is obviously not set up for people who declare bankruptcy to, to 
Um, well, I mean, they'll come out of it eventually, but it's it's a tough go, right, for for people who declare bankruptcy. So it's certainly a, a pretty serious thing that he's dealing with yeah. away from the ice. And then there's the depression issues, too, Chris. Yeah, I mean, the poor guy has a lot going on in his personal life as well as his professional life. Yeah, he's a guy you, you, you root for because of a lot of that stuff. Uh, he's a huge advocate for mental health. And, you know, there. look, I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I would imagine that there are people who were inspired by Robin Leonard and, and maybe were feeling like like taking the, the you know, the suicide route. And maybe because yeah. they were inspired by him, they didn't. Yep. So, you know, Robin Leonard, I think, has has a future away from the ice if he chooses to get himself further involved with with mental health advocacy because he's been such a huge, uh, you know, help. And he's got and, the celebrity status. Yes, it always works. Yeah. So, um, look, Brian, I mean, I think people root for Robin Leonard. I root for Robin Leonard. I like the guy. I think he's a really, he, he, you know, when he's in his, his, his element, he's a really good goalie. I just don't know if it's ever going to work here. I mean, it's unfortunate for him because I don't feel like the fan base ever really truly accepted him. Chris, it's him, like anything. Which is, which is crap. Yeah, it's like, Chris, it's like any sport. When you replace, and in this town, because it was the first major professional sports franchise, the Vegas Golden Knights, that this city had, and they get a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury, who not only is a legendary goaltender with a few Stanley Cups under his belt before he got here, but he's just one of the most likable professional athletes you're ever going to meet. We both felt that way yeah. almost immediately about him and he was embraced by this community as much as maybe anyone since I've lived here ever has been what a terrible it just to replace him the only time I've ever seen anything like this in my opinion Chris in Detroit there's a great announcer who everyone who knows this great sport of baseball knows who died a few years back Ernie Harwell one of the greatest ever maybe next to next to Mel Allen one of the greatest voices in history Vin Scully's up there Harry Carey but Ernie Ernie Harwell was right there in Detroit when Bo Schembechler became the general manager manager of the Detroit Tigers, for some reason, Tom Monahan, the founder of Domino's, decides what? to hire Bo Schembechler as the GM of the Detroit what a Tigers. Un- it was unbelievable. Well, he was Bo, Bo was everything Michigan, so he thought, well, well this this will trans, you know, tra- this will work out in baseball. It well, didn't. obviously, it did. One of the first <laughs> moves he makes is to get rid of Ernie Harwell and Paul Carey, l- the longest standing broadcasters in the history at that time, and it was like, oh my God, like you're going to do this, and he replaced him with a guy named. Riz and Rathbun, I can't remember what their first names, but Riz and Rathbun, man, they were practically booed and scurried out of town. I mean, <laughs> you know, but the point is, it wasn't that they were bad, Chris. I listened to them thought, these guys are decent at doing the job, but you're replacing a legend that got let go when he didn't want to get let go and he wasn't ready to. I mean, Vin Scully, it was to the point where he almost couldn't talk anymore before he put down the mic. Ernie Howell wanted to be the same way, and he ended up, they ended up bringing him back, but... When I, that was the only time I'd ever experienced something like that in a town where you replace a legend, and the fans literally like almost booed the broadcast. They just didn't want anyone else replacing Ernie yet. I think it was the same thing with Fleury. Had Fleury retired of his own accord, it would have been a different story. But the fact that he left, and even though I said it before it ever happened, that I, I foresaw it happening after that Montreal gaffe in the Stanley Cup Conference Finals, um, I, uh, you know, I wasn't surprised, but... I, I was a little bit surprised at the way this this community did just bash Robin Leonard. I mean, the guy had no chance from day one. Yeah, like I said, it, it, it it's a bunch of crap. But I think at the end of the day, look, I don't I don't feel like it's gonna it, like it worked out for Robin Leonard. Like you can't look and say, oh well, look, all's well that ends well because 
look, I mean, the guy, the guy's career is is on the line here. But for the Golden Knights, I would say things probably worked out pretty well because they ended up with a Stanley Cup and, uh, and an all-star goalie. They ended up bringing out the absolute best in Aiden Hill, better than he maybe even thought he yeah, was. Yeah, so, um, you know, unfortunately, that's professional sports. It's a cruel business to a lot of people. Yeah. And, and you know, look, I just hope Robin Leonard is able to bounce back and, and find his way back to the NHL because, look, I mean, the guy's got a family, and at the end of the day, Sports really isn't that important. It's it's taking care of his family, and that's the most important thing. So I hope he makes his way back. And I, I look if it's not with the Golden Knights, I hope someone else gives him a shot. And you know we'll see what happens. He's a big imposing figure in net, and he showed before he became a Golden Knight at times that he had the capability of potentially being an elite goaltender. Again, he came here under the gun like never before and had the hip injuries, the depression problems, declares bankruptcy, a lot going on. And anyone that's ever played sports, if you if you have things going on in your head, even if it's as simple as maybe you're getting ready to play a high school football game and you've got a big exam the next day or something is in your mind, maybe some family member is really sick, it really is hard to just tune that out and play the game. And I think that may have been the case with Robin Leonard a little bit on top of the injury. Again, first preseason game is today. It is in San Jose against the Sharks. They play again tomorrow in Colorado against the Avalanche. Their first home preseason game is this Wednesday night versus the LA Kings. And the regular season starts on October 10th. And once again, they start the season against the Seattle Kraken. Um, the Golden Knights and Bruce Cassidy talked about it. I saw him, uh, you know, just yesterday, uh, you know, saying, I'm not bragging. I'm not making any predictions. I'm just saying, I think we have as good as anybody has in the past to repeat as Stanley Cup champions. And I don't think anyone would argue with that. If you look at the Vegas odds, they are right there among the favorites, if not the favorite, to repeat as Stanley Cup champions. I think they're going to have a very good year repeating in anything when you have a target on your head after getting to the pinnacle of your sport is going to be very, very difficult. But again, this team has most of the pieces in place that I think they need, and the key is always going to be injuries. If Mark Stone can stay healthy and on the ice most of the season, Jack Eichel picks up where he left off last year, showing all of the potential this guy showed throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs and showing why he is one of the most talented players in the National Hockey League. And, of course, Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson continue to play between the pipes like they did last season. Uh, Again, I don't know who is better than the Golden Knights, at least on paper and based on their past, in a seven-game series. I just don't know who is better than them in a seven-game series. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Moving on to football, guys. I mean, you know, I, I, looking at the season at the beginning of the year, if I'm being fair, I had the, I had the, the Rebels, and I really, really like Barry Odom. Personally, I don't know him great. He's been on the show a couple times. I got to go to a private lunch and meet him personally. I really like the guy. I like what he brings. I like his attitude. I love his approach to the media, although that's a bit biased. I'm not, you know, some people said, oh, Brian, they saw my, they saw my, uh, the, the thing we played last week, him thanking the media, and a couple of my friends, oh, he's kissing your guy's ass. And said, no, he's not. That's genuinely who Barry Odom is. Trust me on that. Barry Odom is just a guy that understands the politics behind it and wants to promote this team within and in the state of Nevada so he can continue to recruit guys like, like, uh, like the quarterback they have right now that's the redshirt freshman. That's what he wants. And by getting positive press in Las Vegas, that will help him in the recruiting bin. That's what he's doing, guys. Nobody holds that against him, and I actually, I think it's a refreshing and a breath of fresh air, and yesterday they surprised me. Now, not not surprising me that they won. UTEP was not a good team. I mean, they had, 
they've only won one game all year. But they surprised me after a game like Vanderbilt, an emotional game. Vandy, not the same team they beat a couple years ago. Definitely a better football team now than they were then. And they beat Vandy. That's an emotional win. Coming off of a loss to Michigan that wasn't nearly as horrific as the score seems. I mean, that was they, they played the number two team in the country. Okay, so that's not too bad. Bryant was an expected win. But Vanderbilt was a game I had them losing. And, or actually, excuse me, I, I had them winning, beating Vanderbilt. I didn't realize Vanderbilt would be better. I had them losing to UTEP. I didn't realize how bad they would be. But they're 3-1 and one right now. A friend of mine on another station made a comment during the, during the Vanderbilt game saying, I believe, believe it or not, here's the importance of this game. I think this game, if they win it, they go to a bowl game. If they lose it, they don't. And they won it. And I, I didn't disagree with him. I didn't fully agree. But, you know, looking at that right now, that could be the one game that either gets them to 6-6 six and six or 7-6 seven and six at the end of the season. Excuse me, 7-5 and five at the end of the season that does put them in a bowl game. What they did yesterday, they went on the road against a team that's salty, backs up against the wall, only one win this season over a school that we'd never heard of till they played here, our incarnate word, in La- in Las Vegas. So that's the only win UTEP has this year. So UTEP was salty. They, they needed to get a win to show they were a le- legitimate you know, D1 school, and they lost. And UNLV went in there and beat them. And I'll tell you what, UNLV has some very skilled players, uh, Chris. And, and Spencer, you saw the game as well. Some very skilled players. Um, De Jesus is really good. And how about the, the Jet, man? This kid, four touchdowns. UNLV's been around for 55 years. Uh, so you're, you, when you tie a school record, 55 years is, is, is kind of a long time. Four touchdowns in a single game on the road uh, ties a record at UNLV. Again, um, Jaden Jet Thomas, uh, four touchdowns, 13 carries, 100 yards to go along with that. He looked really good. And um, I didn't see the game. I only saw the highlights. But he looked good. Uh, got his 100, yard, his 100 yards rushing. And I'll tell you what, um, Jordan Maivea, this, this kid is the real deal. And I think he is a – matter of fact, better than an adequate backup to Doug Brumfield at this school right now, Chris. Well, yeah. I mean, you look, I, I, I think 3-1 and one is certainly something that, that we can all be happy about. But it's the way they're winning games. Like, I understand the defense is giving up a lot of points. But the offense is scoring a lot of points. And in the Mountain West Conference, that's that's a good recipe because there's not a ton of great defenses in the Mountain West Conference. But it's the plays. Jeray Williams on the defensive side of the ball, all he does is make plays. I mean, you 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 had a big sack yesterday right before the end of the first half. Forced UTEP into a tough situation. They turn the ball over. Rebels go down and score a touchdown right before the half, based on the turnover. So, I mean, you look at their schedule, Brian, and I hate to do this, but there's no reason why this team should not be 5-1. and one. They're better than Hawaii. Reno is god-awful. I mean, Reno got demolished. And when I say demolished, I mean, look, there's something about losing to a, a subdivision team, but... When you get your ass kicked by Idaho at home the way they did, they lost to Texas State yesterday. They were blown out in that one. They gave Kansas a little bit of a game, but Kansas not exactly a great program. Look, Brian, I mean, Colorado State, they got up to play Colorado, their in-state rival, but they're not that good. Like, you look at them, they beat Middle Tennessee State, but, like, they're not that good. They're coming on the road to play the Rebels, so... I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here, but I like the swagger that this defense has, 
And look, I mean, offensively, if I, I, I said it to you guys yesterday. If they can get consistent quarterback play, they're going to be a good team. Because I feel like Barry Odom has got these guys believing that they can win every time they step out on the field. I mean, they, they, there's really only one game that I look at or two that they're probably not going to be favored in, and that's against Fresno State, and that's against Air Force. I mean, it's crazy to think how far this program, and I know last year, what were they, 5-1, and 4-1 and one at one point? They were winning with smoke and mirrors. This team's winning because they're they're better than their opponents. And you mentioned the, 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 the fact that Barry Odom was, was praising the media. And look, I mean, Barry Odom is a guy who, who came in, no ties to this city at all, had always been in the, 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 the Southwest, or I mean, I don't know what you call that part of the country well, where there, Missouri there is and a tie. Arkansas is. But Him and Desiree Reed Francois passed each other on the highway as he was coming here and she was going Yeah, I, I mean, exactly. Look, he... He's brought in good coordinators. He's brought in a lot of local kids who who want to be part of this program. There's more local kids out there. Look, he made it an emphasis when he was hired to recruit local kids. Yeah. And that was something that was ignored by Marcus Arroyo. If you look at the roster last year versus what's coming in this year and or what came in this year and what's coming in next year, I mean – there's a lot of good talent in the state of Nevada and, and the city of Las Vegas, and a lot of it gets out. I mean, you look at you look at some of the kids from Vegas that have gone to play at Oklahoma, and I'm not saying you're going to out-recruit Oklahoma for kids, but Bishop Gorman is, is one of the best programs in the country, year in, year out. Yeah. And there's a lot of kids from Gorman who go on to play at, at schools throughout the West Coast, they should be staying here. I would agree. You I mean, build a program by recruiting your. You look, look at Ramadre Stevenson, New England's running back. He went to, he went to Centennial High School. Yeah. My good friend of my son, Jacobs. And where did and, he go to college? And he went to college in Oklahoma, just like you said. Yeah. I mean, so, look I mean, at look at look at the kid from San Diego State. Was it who was it that that went to San Diego State and ended up Pelfrey? Yeah, Donnell Pumphrey. Yeah, Pumphrey. That's right. right. Yeah. Good good player. Yeah. He shouldn't have ever gotten out of the state of Nevada. Being that small, he was hardly recruited. How does San Diego see, see the value in the little? And, and it's not like San Diego State's a world beater. Yep. So, I mean, that's a program as well, right? You look at them. They should be better than they are. But there's a lot of good high school talent here in the state of Nevada, especially in Las Vegas. You got to get some of that talent well, to stay here. You don't, you, I mean, you don't build a program by ignoring the local kids. Of course not. And Chris, it's not just the football program. We see what Lon Kruger's done. He's used the portal to Kevin. bring to, Kevin Kruger, excuse me, the portal to bring back local some kids. players, local kids. One of them he helped his dad recruit when he was assistant at Oklahoma. So there's a relationship. But, 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 but the other kid was a, was a former UNLV guy and he said, man, to get a chance to come home and play in front of my own home crowd is huge. And you see that and they let guys go that I thought they should have. Like Keyshawn Gilbert now in Iowa State with uh, our old coach. Goodbye. Go ahead and play yeah, with TJ him. Yeah, TJL. Good riddance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. see, see We'll see you later. But I love what they're doing. But again, back to this, Chris. Many coaches have come in. Now, now Marcus Royal is a bad example. And Tony Sanchez is a good example, but he didn't have the name or the wherewithal. But he laid but, the— But my point here's is— a, here's a, Tony Sanchez— he, did, he laid the foundation he because gets, of the Vertita Center, what he did. Yeah, in, but he, he 
he made the program somewhat respectable. No, I, I agree with you, but what I'm saying is he said it before him, Bobby Houck said it. I have heard this from coaches since I've lived here, that we are going to focus on local talent. Here's the difference with Barry Odom. Barry Odom is taking steps, one of them building this relationship with the media to bring the lo- to keep the local talent in Vegas. Because Caleb Herring, my former co-host who is the color guy, remember him sitting here, and we were asking him, what, you know, you would think Vegas is a place kids would want to come to. He said, you know, Vegas is the only place that recruited me. That's why I came here. He said, you know, you come here to the football campus at the time, Sam Boyd Stadium is off campus. There was no real great workout facility. He said the, the locker rooms at Sam Boyd Stadium smelled worse than most urinals. And and it was sounds, like... Sounds like and, uh, and, Mike Sanford. And, and he said that every time he read anything about the, the Las Vegas football program... It was UNLV, negative. It was negative. Yeah. So that Barry Odom is here to change that, and which is ultimately going to help change the culture. I love it. I want to leave this alone. We'll talk more about it you know, in time so we can get to other things. I just want to say that I just hope, and I, Hawaii's a team they should beat no problem. But just keep in mind a couple of Hawaii's lost. They lost their first game of the season this year at, um, uh, excuse me, I'm looking at last year when they, when they, 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 uh, Look, no, they, no, I'm looking they, at this they year. Lost they to lost Vanderbilt. to Vanderbilt by, by a touchdown in Vanderbilt. They lost to Stanford by by 13 points in uh you know a, you know at, at Hawaii. I mean, they've played, they they just got done beating New Mexico State. I don't know anything about their football program. They got beat, you know, 55 to 10 by Oregon, but after we saw Oregon do to Colorado, and for God's sakes, Bo Nix, I think he's been in college 26 years. You would figure Oregon would win that game handily. I'm just saying well, look, I mean, Hawaii ha- is Hawaii, a team. Hawaii won on a last second field goal at home against New Mexico State. No, I understand. That's Hawaii a team, is a team they UNLV should... UNLV will be favored in that game. And they should beat them no problem. It's just one of those games where, like you said, you don't want to start looking past them. The next game, even though Nevada is as awful as I remember them being in a long time, it is still a cross-state rivalry game, and that game has been circled on Nevada's schedule just like UNLV's since the schedule came out, because that is a game for the cannon. So, you again, both those teams, like you said, Chris, I expect them to win both those games. Now, but do not take either one of these teams for granted. Well, you can't. And, and the cool but. thing is, the cool thing is, Barry Odom is the kind of coach that will not allow that to happen, and that's what I like about him. I want to say that when you look at the players and the way they respond to Barry Odom, I saw it. In the, I, I've seen it now in two different press conferences. Barry Odom, what he does is, it's like I, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll say quiet respect. It's a different type of respect that most players have for their coach. It is like a friendly respect, but you can see these kids. He is exuding class, and it's rubbing off on his players. Well, and that is gigantic to me, Chris. Here's the, here's what I notice right away, and I understand that you know when I say this, I don't mean as in an NFL coach. Barry Odom is a professional. Yeah, he's a pro. He's got an SEC pedigree. He played football at a very high level in the, I think Missouri was in the Big 12 at the time. Um, Not the SEC. But he coached at Arkansas as an assistant. He was a head coach at Missouri. You look at his background leading up to becoming a head coach. But what stands out to me is something that I, I notice. And like I said, when I say he's a pro, after the game, Barry Odom doesn't show up to press conference press conferences wearing sweats and sneakers. He wears a jacket. Like that to me says, it it might be a little thing, but Barry Odom dresses up to come in after the game and talk to the media. He's not some clown. 
He's a professional. Right, that does. And, that that and, says it all. You know, and, and, and I'm not knocking on coaches who, who don't wear, you know, suits. or. But when you look at the big-time coaches around college football, they look good when they come in the press they conferences. Do. They do. And I'm not saying Barry Odom is Nick Saban. I mean, that'd be the most ridiculous thing to ever be said on the radio. But he's taking cues from guys like Nick Saban. You see Nick Saban in, in any environment where he's not on the sideline, he's dressed like like he's going to work. Yep. And for Barry Odom, this is work. This is this is not a job. This is a career. Yep. And the guy is trying to build something here. And yeah, and, and, and look, I, I think as a community, what we've seen through four weeks of UNLV football, I can't tell you the last UNLV head coach who started three and one to start his career, but the reality is they're winning football games, and they may not be beating good football teams, but it's the way that they're winning these games. I mean, I mean, the Vanderbilt game, they fell down 17 yeah. nothing to an SEC team and came back and beat them with a backup and, and, quarterback. And, 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 I, and I, I've said to many people, that was one of the most entertaining football games. It was games a great game to watch. I have seen in a long time. Now, granted, defense lacked. Which yeah, but it's I, college football. Yeah. You don't, you don't you expect. You want to see scoring. You don't expect 13-10 no. games in, in You don't in expect college. ebb and flows of games to go 17 straight points, 30 straight points, 13 straight points, 13 straight points back at but, you. But the, and, the, the one thing, like, like, it's the way. Like, like look, they're blocking punts. Yeah. They're returning. Well, Chris, that game was exemplary in the well, fact they blocked the punt that, yesterday that, too. Yes, that he didn't. That that Barry Odom did not give up. Seventeen nothing down. You start inwardly throwing well, in the towel. Those kids believed one hundred percent. They believed. 100%. They believed in Jordan Maeva. Even, even with Maeva coming in for Brumfield. And again, the last thing I wanted to say, and I and I did want to say that after last Monday's practice, following last Saturday's game versus Vanderbilt, Barry Odom said Doug Brumfield had sore ribs and a sore hip at the press conference after the practice. He was limited in that Monday's practice, but he said he was expecting him to be ready for Sunday, Saturday's game. I guess that he felt he wasn't quite ready yet, and I, I think after seeing Maeva's performance last week against Vanderbilt, he felt comfortable enough to say, you know what, this UTEP team is not that great. What kind of a confidence booster would this be for Jordan Maeva to play on the road and maybe get a win here? If he's going bad, I don't know what, but obviously Doug Brunfield wasn't 100% yet, but it is cool, like I said, at the top of the show, to now know that you've got an option that you feel just as comfortable well, with as you do with Doug Brumfield. Well, and I almost feel as comfortable. Here, here's the thing with Maeva. He beat out Cam Friel. Cam Friel was yeah. playing for, for this football team. Oh, he, a, he was a starter with yeah, a couple years down. ago. Yeah. So, I mean, look, Maeva, he's a redshirt freshman. He's still learning the game. He's still learning the nuances and the speed is, is something that I'm sure he's still... I mean, Caleb would be great to talk to about this, right? Because he, he made a comment in the Vanderbilt game, and it was like in the third quarter. He's like, you know, sometimes the nerves. And I'm thinking, well, this guy, you know, do you get nerves when you're when you're when, once like I remember when I competed, I always was nervous before, but once I started, always. But like as a quarterback, I wonder like when when you're sitting there watching like playing the game, like all right, this is third and twelve. I got to make like, are you nervous at at that moment, or are you just in the zone where where like? You're not thinking about that, but but Brian, like the the thing is with Camp or, or with with Jordan Miami, Jaden Miami. I'm sorry. All you have to do with him is manage the game, because they've got so many guys who can run the ball, like and catch the ball. I mean, like like I completely forgot about the kid they had last year who transferred to BYU. I don't even remember the running back's name. Yeah, because they've got so many other guys 
who are able to to, to make plays. And, and look, I know you talked about DeJesus. Every time that guy touches the ball, he's got the I opportunity. Said he's, he's a poor man's Tyreek Hill. DeJesus is great. And now we realize Jet, Jet, Jet Thomas freshman is Jet the Thomas. real deal. But, but Brian, like, like the, 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 the defensive playmakers that they have, Jackson Woodard, I mean, that number seven, you know, Adam Plant Jr. wore number seven. Now you've got. You know, Jackson Woodward. No, J- Jackson Woodward looks great. And, yeah. and and I'll tell you what, Cam Oliver has really grown up, too. This guy is a solid defensive My, my guy, though, is, is Jure Williams. Like, yeah. I, oh, every tremendous. single week yeah. that kid comes to he play. He gets better. And, and, I mean. He gets better each I, week, too. I, I, I'm not going to say that he's an NFL player, but, Brian, he looks like an NFL player. No, he, he, he may get a look, for sure. I like UNLV next week, and I'm going to say right now that I think they will win at least seven games, and I can't believe I'm saying it. And that is 100% to me, credit goes to Barry Odom, for where they're at right now, where they're headed, and the way they look. Get out and check them out. They'll be back at Allegiant Stadium again next week against Hawaii at 1 o'clock. If you haven't gone to the Allegiant Stadium, great opportunity to check out one of the most state-of-the-art facilities in the country and get to see a much-improved UNLV team to this point in the season. Guys, real quickly, only one true upset, as I mentioned, in the top 25 yesterday, and that was in the current Pac-12. Number 21, Washington State, beat Oregon 38-35, a field goal game, and is it really an upset? Yes, Washington State, uh, excuse me, Oregon um, State was ranked uh, ranked higher. However, it, it was a home game for Washington State. It's not that big of a surprise, but not really an upset as far as I'm concerned. Everyone wanted to see the game, the number 19 seed play at Oregon. Was the 3-0 Colorado team for real? The team that beat a national runner-up last year um, at the beginning of the season in Texas Tech. Uh, you know, the, the bottom line is this. Colorado is a really good team. The one thing that has not been discussed, and it was discussed a little bit during yesterday's game, and I don't know if you guys got a chance to see it, but um, what I watching the game, I saw right away, and I've seen this in all the highlights, and yesterday was the first full game I watched Colorado. Well, I stopped watching. It got old. It got boring. But the bottom line is, is, um, is Shador Sanders is not getting protected. That is maybe one of the worst power five conference offensive lines in the country. They are really bad. And it is amazing that he is putting up Heisman Trophy type statistics prior to yesterday's game with that offensive line. It looks makeshift to me and I'm sure Deion Sanders is going to focus tremendously on that but they got they got hammered yesterday in Oregon. Uh, 42 to 6 was the final score in that game and I'll tell you right now, you know, I'm not overly surprised that they lost the game. I thought they were going to lose to Oregon. I don't know how they win the game, but I was surprised they won by that much. But I have been saying that Deion Sanders has got to give the greatest locker room speeches for the other team of any coach out there because, I mean, he is just an overly confident guy. He has been his whole life. He's played like that his his entire career, both in Major League Baseball and in the NFL. He's a confident guy. He's, He's put that on his son, who also seems like a really good kid. You know... Like I said, I get it. It's overconfidence, but I like what he's doing here. And after before the game, though, you had the you had the the Oregon coach really getting his team fired up in the locker room. You knew this was going to happen, and he gets in there and he's basically uh, screaming away and using. And this is the motivation. I think any coach would have done this, but I do think Oregon did feed, feed into it. Every moment, the Cinderella story is over, man. They're fighting for clicks. We're fighting for wins. Fighting for clicks. Every fi- moment. The Cinderella story is over, man. They're fighting. Fighting for clicks and fighting for wins. And after the game, this was Deion Sanders' response after the loss. I thought this was as good of a response 
two losing a game that way as you could possibly have as a coach. And it just shows you Dion's gifted with the gift of gab and the right things to say. People around the country would say this is what they needed to humble themselves. We wasn't arrogant or whatever. We just we're confident people. If our confidence offends your insecurity, that's the problem with you. It's not us. Uh, we expect to do well. We expect to play well. We expect to win every game we step out there. We expect to practice to perfection and go out there and uh, execute the things that we practice. We just didn't do it today. I don't say stuff just to say it for a click, you know, contrary to what some may say. But uh, I, yeah, I, I keep receipts. But I'm serious. I analyze and I understand what we're up against and what we have and what we need. One thing that I could say honestly and candidly, you better get me right now. This is the worst we're going to be. And you maybe, better get me right now. Maybe that is the worst they're going to be. Uh, they were pretty bad. But I liked it. I like what he said. He's just he's going to exude confidence. But I think if I'm a player at Colorado and I'm watching the postgame press conference later that night on ESPN and I see Deion Sanders say that, it fires me up. I love it. He didn't rip on his team saying it's the worst we're going to be. And, hey, you know, they, they got beat. He's, not, he's holding accountability for it. But, you know, hey, Oregon did the smart thing. And, again, I, uh, I 100% credit them because I'll tell you right now, Dan Laning, you know, why wouldn't you say that? I mean, that's exactly what you'd want to say is, is uh, hey, they're, they're fighting for clicks. We're fighting for wins. It was oh, a perfect oh, lock. Hold on. Let me stop you right there. Who the hell is Dan Lanning? Lanning. I don't care what his name is. <laughs> Who are you? What have you won? What have you done? He's a coach at Oregon. I don't care. Deion Sanders is a World Series champion. He's a Super Bowl champion. He's an NFL Hall of Famer. I agree. And he's proving to be a really good college football coach. Look, I don't know if this is the worst Colorado's going to be under his tenure there, but this guy has had it out for Dion and Colorado since Colorado announced that they were moving back to the Big 12. Like, bro, shut up. I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but it's like, funny. Like, seriously, who are you? Well, we're talking about him, right? Yeah, but... I mean, that's what, if, if that's what his goal look, was, it's and, working. And, and, People and look, are talking I, about him around the country. I think, I think Bo Nix at home is one of the best. Oh, no, co- Chris. And I, let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit, Dan Laning or whatever. <laughs> look, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not this big, huge Dion primetime fan, but, bro, like, who let, are you? Yeah, what me, have you yeah, won? Yeah, don't, Look, and, I, and Chris, you know, I, I don't care about your high school state you know, championship. It, I, I love the line from the movie, uh, the movie Magnum Force years and years ago, when Dirty Harry Clint Eastwood said, "A man has got to know his limitations," and it's like. Every man out there should know. Deion Sanders is a guy you don't want to get into a war of words with or a battle with. Because, like I said, he is going to remain cool as a cucumber. The only time I ever saw him upset was at Andre Risen when the two of them went head-to-head after he left the Atlanta Falcons and they decided to do a slamming into each other. Deion Sanders remains cool. You're not going to beat him in in, in the war of words. It was good to get your team motivated. And like I said, I do believe that it worked. Look at the score. But in the same respect— I I, I will— I will go out on a limb here and say this, and maybe it's proven to be true. Maybe it's not. Deion Sanders is going to win a national title as a head football coach in college football. I, who can argue? I, with that I don't know if it's going to be at Colorado. It may be somewhere else because I'm sure there's a couple of SEC schools that are watching him saying, hey. You know what? This guy's a pretty damn good coach. Maybe Chris he might but, get he might get bored when his son's out of college and not want to do it anymore. But, I mean, he's but got more I don't, money I don't than anybody think so. I, well, we'll I, I think he is in it. 
I think he really enjoys being around the kids. I think he enjoys coaching. I, I mean, look, the spotlight. He, lo- he prime time, man. The guy, he the, guy the guy likes winning. So I don't see him walking away, but he will win a national title before Dan Laning does. Uh, we we will definitely see, and I, I I can't argue or go one way or another. That I think Laning's got a pretty damn good football team in Oregon, and as you mentioned, he's got a quarterback. Uh, yeah, uh, as you mentioned uh, with Bo Nix, I mean it's amazing. It seemed like Bo Nix was at Auburn for six years. Yeah, it does. How seem does like he that. still have two years left of eligibility? I mean, for God's sakes, can you give a ninth year senior well, a Heisman all those guys with the, with the COVID Jesus years? Jesus you know? Christ! I mean, I mean, he's been around forever. This guy is going to get. He's going to be like Big Country or whatever that went into the NFL. I mean, the guy was like a hundred years. Old, he was twenty eight year old rookie. I mean, I don't know how old Bo Nix is. I, I didn't look it up, but I, this has to be a sixth or seventh year in college. And somehow they've they've manipulated the system. He's playing at Oregon, one of the best programs in the country, at least one of the best places to play college football in the country because of what Phil Knight's done there. I mean, for God's sakes, you got the best locker room. They got a barber shop and a buffet in their locker room. For God's sakes. But anyway, uh, Deion Sanders. I think Colorado will be fine. I still think it's a team to be reckoned with. They've got some big games in front of them, including number five USC next week that I think will be a telltale sign to see how Deion Sanders can get that Buffalo team to respond and rejuvenate listen guys got to move on uh, Las Vegas Aces swept the Chicago sky as expected now semifinal start today 2 p.m. at the Michelob Ultra Arena at the Mandalay Event Center they play the number four seed Dallas Wings the playoffs went just as expected the top four teams all move on and Dallas one of one of a couple of teams that beat the the Aces this year. They beat them once out of three times that they played them. Um, But Dallas... Every now and again, they can shoot from the outside. They have a little bit of maybe a size advantage. But other than that, the Vegas Golden Knights are a better team. I expect Vegas Golden Knights to sweep this in three games. Even the one game in Dallas, I think they'll win three straight. I think we are seeing a collision course. Of course, the other semifinal is no surprise. The New York Liberty versus uh, the Connecticut Sun, who made the WNBA Finals last year against the Aces. I think we're looking at a collision course with the Aces and the Liberty. And guys, I will say straight up, I'm going to leave it right here for today. We'll talk much more about this next week. Uh, I see the Aces winning the NBA, the WNBA title again, but I will tell you what, I think it goes five games. I think the New York Liberty are as good of a matchup for them, and again, they just pose a problem on the inside for the Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas Golden Knights. For the Las Vegas Aces, they pose a problem on the inside, and the other problem they really have is it's so hard because you have to come out on three of their players in the perimeter. Brianna Stewart, uh, Anescu, you've got to come out and defend the perimeter, and that's when they can beat you inside with their size. So it's going to be a tough matchup if and when the Aces and the Liberty play in the WNBA Finals, Um, but I'm excited for today. I'll be out there. It's kind of cool today. You walk from Mandalay Bay Event Center, and you head right across. I just hop over a bridge. I'm going to keep my car parked there today, walk across the bridge and go to the Raiders game so I can see them both, Um, and, and, you know, like I said, I think I think you'll see the Aces win it, but I think we're going to see a five-game series and maybe one of the best WNBA finals in the history of the WNBA. I really believe that. I think it's going to be pretty exciting. Get your tickets now. Check it out. Las Vegas Aces games surprisingly really cool and exciting and and they sell out a lot man. It's good. Getting to the bones. I want to get to get to the NFL. Make sure we've got time for this guys. Um uh, when we get to the actually before we get to the NFL, let's do this, Spence. Go ahead and hit fact this because I want to make sure we get to this today. Facts this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this.
It's a fact. Yesterday afternoon, Haley Van Voorhees, a junior safety at Division Three Shenandoah University, located in Winchester, Virginia, got in the game versus, uh, one, I think it's Juanita, played well and nearly got a quarterback sack. This is the first time in history that a woman who was not a kicker has ever played in an NCAA football game. Shenandoah won the game 48-7. to She got in the game in the first quarter with Shenandoah up by 26 points. Guys, in all seriousness, and again, I want to be very fair about this. I watched her play the game. I've definitely seen her. She is looks like the size of a small defensive back in college football. But the question is, Getting her in the game in the first quarter is a little bit early when you're up by 26 points. I understand you're going to win. They ended up winning 48-7, so they, they didn't even double that the rest of the game. But was this a publicity stunt, or did she earn and deserve to see the field? Being on the team is one thing, but seeing the field is another. Did she earn it, or is it a publicity stunt? Well, I'd be lying if I said, any, if I, said I knew anything about either of the two schools you mentioned. I mean, look, they're up 26 nothing. If she can play, I don't see why she shouldn't be out well, there. Well, she's got to be on second string because yeah, the I mean, first team that goes in is second string. When and I, in the first quarter, you're not down to the third, third or beyond. So she is a second string defensive back at a D one D three school. There are a lot of guys, including myself, that would have liked to have been a second string defensive back at a D three school. Well, I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I I I wasn't good enough at football to to attempt to pursue. I mean, I wasn't going to go to a D3 school just to play football. I, I mean, I liked playing the game, but it wasn't that important to me. But, I mean. Yeah, it's, I, pro- it's probably like a beefed up high school. I, I mean, I, I, I'm guessing. I mean, I think our buddy Chris Wynn played at D3. Framingham might, State, he, they he, might he, be a D3 yeah, school. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. So. I, I, I mean, I'm sure he's listening. So, so I mean. If he's, he, he can let us know. I wonder if you ever heard of Shenandoah University. Where, I where the not. hell is that, Virginia? It's in Virginia, Winchester, Virginia. I, I don't know anything about it, Chris. I don't think anyone would have. But you know what? It's cool news. It was nice to see. And the bottom line is she came very close to sacking the quarterback. She definitely disrupted. Uh, Spencer's got her up on the All screen right now. All right, so right maybe now. she could play. And, and if you showed, did you show the highlight, Spence? He was showing the highlight of, of her. Uh, oh, video audio. Let's go ahead and play the highlight, Spencer, of, uh, of her playing. Spilled about the 22-yard line. So now third down intermediate from their own 23, 24-yard line. Yeah, third down, another big play, as I said. Uh, formationally really diverse for the Eagles. Usually they mix She's up being 10. under center and in the gun, but so far today exclusively in the gun. German with trips left, throws under duress, incomplete. I mean, you know, she hurried the quarterback pass a little bit. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm she looking. She got in unblocked. Nobody blocked her. She was un, untouched, but still. Yeah, but, but, I mean, look, that's not, the, the other team is not letting her get free run at the quarterback. No, of course so, not. So, I mean, I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm looking at the stands, and maybe that's the visitor side, but, I mean, my high school had. had yeah, I know. So, I know what you're saying. So, so uh, what I'm saying is Shenandoah University, look, it, it, it's probably, look, I mean, maybe, did this girl play in high school? I'm sure she did. She had to have. And, and the bottom line, it is an historical event. It's pretty cool. We'll never know fully whether it was or wasn't a publicity stunt. But, hey, like I said, if you see her, she definitely works out. She's definitely yoked. And uh, she is playing college football. And she's a second, good, good for her. She I never played college football. She's a second-string defensive back at a D3 school. That is an accomplishment. And, again, not as a kicker. I give her 
all the props. Guys, we got to fly. Let's get into the NFL now. We've got about five minutes before we do our picks. Um, last week, some surprises, and you know, I'll start with my own Detroit Lions. I mean, you know, you Same talk, old Lions. You got a team that that you were talking about. You got all this hype, all this rhetoric. I've, I've listened to all year. I have posted several things. I've been in wars with friends on social media, and not that I'm going to say they're any worse than I think they are. I think they're a good football team, and I still think they are playoff bound. I'm going to say that, and I still think they're going to win a game in the playoffs. So there you go. I'm not a naysayer. I'm a realist. And like I said, until they get to the postseason and win, I give them, you hear what that is? That's a golf clap. That's what they get. I mean, and again, they lost to Seattle. How could you have any more motivation? A team that beat you at home last season when you weren't playing as well as you did in the last eight games of the season. They also were the recipient of a playoff berth thanks to you beating Green Bay in the last game of the season, and they went with the exact same record the Lions had at 9-8 and eight, simply because they beat the Lions head-to-head. If you can't get motivated to come back and say, hey, we got revenge, most of the players in the Lions were there last year when they lost. And again, it's not a huge thing. You can't make too much of it, but that's what happened. Lions lost. Now this week, they, they come in and they go back home and they play the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons, by the way, have lost six of uh, ten of the six road games in a row, uh, nine of their last ten road games. However... They, they have the longest road winning streak against the Detroit Lions than they have against any other team in the NFL. The last three times the Atlanta Falcons have played Detroit in Detroit, they have beat them all three times. Now, are you going to hold that to this? No. How does Detroit not come back and win an Atlanta team that's won two, that's 2-0? and I don't think anyone expected them to be any good this season. I don't know how Spencer Atlanta comes into Detroit today and wins that football game, especially with Detroit having to be salty last week. Yes, Detroit is a little bit beat up in the defensive secondary, but Detroit has the best offensive line in football. They have a a quarterback that's competed in the Super Bowl. They have one of the most dynamic rookie running backs in the game, and they also have a receiver that's establishing himself as one of the top receivers in the game, and Armand St. Brown. So I'm I'm on Ross St. Brown, excuse me. Uh, Spencer, can can Atlanta come in and go 3-0 today? Oh, yeah. I think it's more than possible, Brian. I, it'll be an interesting game. Atlanta has played significantly better as of recent. That's for sure. And Yeah, Spence, I don't know if they're, if we're hearing you here. I'm going to share my mic with you. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, I definitely think that they can, Brian. And, uh, you know, it's it, they're an interesting team. They've actually – I think they've won four straight home games. If I'm not mistaken, Desmond Ritter has not lost at home one time uh, in his little short career, which is interesting. You know, B. John Robinson is there, but, you know, and I also know that they lost Gardner Johnson for the Lions for the year, too, and that was a terrible, terrible loss. But if any coach can kind of pull them together, it's going to be Dan Campbell. And uh, there's no way they should lose this game. But then again, Brian, it is the Lions, and we know what the Lions do throughout literally the course of history. I can't. I would say, oh, like since that moment when the Lions were good, but that, that hasn't really ever happened before. Uh, it hasn't, and it's a huge loss. Gardner Johnson was the vocal leader of this defense and that team, and he's one of those guys that just is a chirper, but he chirps in a good way. And with chirpers, the key to being successful is you have to back up where your mouth is. you got to put your money. And, and, and Gardner Johnson was one of those players that could back up his play on the field with what was coming out of his mouth. Huge loss for the Lions, but I agree with you. Hey, I picked up Desmond Ritter when Aaron Rodgers went down. I initially picked up Mac Jones. This week I picked up Desmond Ritter. I'd rather start him against the Lions than Mac Jones in New York against 
against the Jets. Okay, I'll take I'll take uh, I'll take uh, Desmond Ritter in that matchup because the one thing with the Jets, regardless of the quarterback problems, that team has to me one of the top defenses in the National Football League if they remain healthy, and that's going to be a problem for anyone playing the Jets this year if they can figure it out at the quarterback position. As Mags would know, uh, that team could definitely. Um, well, they got to figure out the offensive line. They do. The offensive line hurts too, but uh, but Zach Wilson is not the guy that's going to lead this team to the promised land. Like I said, other teams have made it in the past with serviceable quarterbacks. They've gone all the way. The Jets' defense is good. They're not great. And that is why I think the Jets are going to have to figure it out offensively. Two huge losses in the National Football League last week as we saw, man, Browns. We saw another one of those horrific injuries that you got to shut your eyes to. They didn't even replay really it last week, but uh, the Nick Chubb injury was absolutely brutal. It reminded me of Napoleon McCallum, who we've had on the show before. It was a horrific injury where your knee completely goes backwards. You know, they say he's going to miss the rest of the season. That That is one of those injuries, you know, an injury. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater came back from a horrific knee injury, but this one's going to be really tough to recover from, especially after six years already taking a beating in the National Football League and having to try to come back from that injury at the running back position. It's going to be really tough. Let's be realistic. And another big loss just happened on Thursday. These This Dallas Cowboys team has looked like a juggernaut defensively. They are so tough, and they lost part of what made them great defensively on Thursday in Trayvon Diggs. He tore his ACL. People have been saying that the Cowboys corners, Stefan Gilmore and Trevon Diggs, were probably going to become the NFL's best corner duo this season, and that is just a devastating loss. I, I feel really bad because uh, Stefan Diggs, I don't want to see anyone go down. I don't feel bad for the Cowboys losing somebody because if you're most, if you're not, a, you're either a Cowboys fan or you're not, and I'm not, and I'm just going to leave it right there, but uh, I still feel bad for Devon Diggs. The biggest surprise is to me, the Atlanta Falcons that we mentioned, the Washington uh, Commanders 2-0, and big surprise, first time since 2011. If they go 3-0, and that'll be the first time in 18 years, and I'll tell you what, a lot of it has to do with quarterback Sam Howell. He's a fifth-round pick a year ago, as we know, out of North Carolina. He's playing really well. He's shown really good arm strength and accuracy. The key with Washington, if they're going to be successful this year, they have got to protect this kid. Ten sacks to lead the NFL. He's been sacked ten times already yeah, in the first alert, two games. They're not going 3-0. and I don't think so. <laughs> not not if you see their opponent today. No, they're not going to go 3-0. and And also the Saints. Uh, Derek Carr, man, 2-0 and after beating the Titans and the Panthers. He has not looked that good, though. No, he has not. They play Green Bay today, and they're looking to go 3-0 and for the first time since 2013, um, which is when they ended the season 11-5, and they actually won a playoff game against the Detroit Lions. Uh, that being said... Um, this week, a lot of big games. We're going to bring in the scoop now as we as we are running very low on time. I want to bring in the scooper for his pick. Scooper, we've got three people tied at the top right now. Me, you, and Mags. Mags and I both won our games. I had uh, the Rams. They hung in there for me. I had them seven and a half. They lost by seven. Mags said it on the radio that he expected the Baltimore Ravens to beat Cincinnati outright last week. Man, he was getting three points. He didn't need them. They did do that. Spencer, the only 0-2 guy, uh, a shocking Spencer. Believed in the Denver Donkeys against those Commanders last week, and the Commanders beat them outright. And the Scooper or was, it, was it Scooper that that had Denver last week? It was Scooper, right? That had Denver. Yes, yes. Unfortunate. Yeah, Scooper had Denver. I, I forgot about that. Spencer had the Chargers at Tennessee, who got beaten. They were giving Tennessee two points. Scooper, you you get to go first. We have to pick after you. Who's your pick this week? All right, let's go with the Indianapolis Colts plus the points. This Baltimore team's banged up. They got a big one next week against Cleveland, coming off a big win against Cincinnati. I think Gardner Minshew comes out firing. 
Gardner Minshew, you got to like the handlebar, man. Gardner, Gardner Minshew with the the great the greatest mustache in football. I don't I don't dislike that pick, Scooper. I think that's a good pick. I think that they could uh, the Colts could surprise this week. All right, that is the Scooper again. That is um, at AJ underscore Scoop. If you wanna if you wanna check him out, good stuff. Uh, we'll go with Spencer next. Spencer, since you're zero two, you get the first pick this week. And uh, here you go, looking at the games. Take a look. Okay, you know, I'm good. I, I, I love the Seattle Seahawks this week. That is my pick, 100%. I love the Seattle Seahawks. I think they're going to absolutely demolish Andy Dalton. I, I think, historically speaking, if you bet against Andy Dalton, you're, like, pretty good. All right, there, there's Spencer's. Go, go, go ahead. Uh, Chris. Well, there, there were two lines I was actually looking at. I was looking at the lowest line, which I believe was Green Bay and the Saints, and I was leaning towards the Packers in that one, but... I can't believe I'm going to do this. I'm going to lay the points. What is it, 12 and a half with Kansas City against the Bears? The Bears are a disaster. Justin Fields is a distraction right now. They are a really, really bad football team. Casey's going to light them up like a Christmas tree. I'm going to be the ultimate jinx. I'm saying the Lions win by more than three points at home against the Atlanta Falcons without Gardner Johnson. How do you like that, man? So all those out there that say I'm a Lions hater, they're going to rebound, and they're going to win and cover the spread today. Listen, that's it again. Aviators last game today, and we'll talk some more Major League Baseball next week. This is Out of Line. We're here every Sunday, 8 to 9, Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1348. I'm out of Line. I'm Brian Feldman. I want to thank Chris Magnum Chapman, Spencer, and the Scooper. We'll see you next week.